We concluded Exodus last week, so we probably won't jump right into going through another book right now, but we will go into the Psalms, at least tonight, and probably for the next few weeks we'll be in the Psalms. We will start tonight in Psalm 28. I like to go through the Psalms from time to time, and that's kind of over the last few years, that's what, that's what we've been doing on Wednesday nights. You may not have noticed that theme, but anytime we finish a book, usually uh, the Psalms are what I kind of go through in between to give us a break. And we've actually already covered the first 27 Psalms over the last uh, few years. Uh, here and there we'll cover a Psalm. Uh, and so we'll just pick up on Psalm 28 since the last one that we covered was Psalm 27. Uh, it's a short little psalm, but it's good encouragement. It's a good reminder to us who our strength come from and where our strength comes from. And it comes from the Lord. So that's what we'll do tonight. A lot of these psalms, sometimes I just like to read to them. Uh, most of them, or I'll say some of them, are very self-explanatory. They just say words that we know are true, words that we may need to hear, and maybe words that we've even said ourselves, or maybe words that we need to say. As we see what David says, and maybe some others who wrote some of these psalms, uh, we see a lot of things that David goes through are things that you and I go through too. And so there's a lot that we can learn from the psalms, both in the bad times and in the, the good times, both in the times where we're struggling, maybe enemies are upon us, or bad situations have come on us, or maybe we're just rejoicing in the Lord. We see these things in David's writing. Sometimes he's asking God for protection. Sometimes he's praising the Lord. Sometimes he jumps from one thing to another. And that's kind of what he does here in the 28th Psalm tonight. So let's pray and we'll read through it. Father God, we come to, come to you tonight and I pray that you help me to preach and teach your word in, in a way that's going to help us, dear Lord, and bring glory to you. I pray that you clear me from distractions and worries of the world. I pray that Tonight, this is your time, and whatever your word says, God, I pray that it be something that we need to hear, something that's going to transform our life. Maybe it's just one word, or maybe it's just one little verse of what we read tonight, but let there be something in this word tonight, God, that, that our hearts need to hear, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would help us to, to hear from you in your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Verse 1. Lord, I call to you, my rock. Do not be deaf to me. If you remain silent to me, I will be like those going down to the pit. Now, David is calling out to the Lord here, and he's saying, Look, Lord, I call to you. You are my rock. Now, that's a, that's a phrase that we hear sometimes and a phrase that we think about sometimes. Just last night as the well was out and we were putting the new well in, I say we, the fish and Jennings and and uh, Big Boy and Mr. Thomas, they, they, well, they did most of the work. I just kind of stood around and looked. But, but as we were fixing the well, we were thinking, boy, we need something that's better to put over the top of it than this old rusty, rusty barrel that's on there that's rusted that could cut through the wire. So we decided to get one of those rocks, one of those fake rocks. Some of you may have them. You've seen them before. And it looks a lot prettier. And I said, we need to, we need to put a good scripture on there about the Lord being our rock. And then... Lo and behold, here in Psalm 28, David is talking about the Lord being his rock. That is, a rock is immovable. You think about the big rocks there are in this world. I would, I would put mountains in those categories. Those are the biggest rocks that there are. 
And when you think about big rocks, whether it's a mountain or whether it's a, a, just a big rock you may see as you're passing along the road, you think, boy, how did those rocks get there? Who was able to move those rocks? Because when we think of big rocks, we think rocks are immovable. They are strong. They are not easily shaken. They are not easily moved. And David refers to the Lord here as his rock. And he calls out to him and he says, God, do not be deaf to me. Listen to what I'm having to say. God, let your ear be inclined to hear me when I call to you so that, he says, I will, uh, excuse me, if you remain silent to me, I will be like those going down to the pit. He says, I don't want to be like those going to the pit. That is, those going to the grave. That's what he means there when he says pit. I don't want to be like those who are going to the grave apart from you. There are plenty in David's time and in our time who were going to the grave and are going to the grave apart from the Lord. That is, they've never called out to the Lord. The Lord has never heard them speak to Him. He has never become the rock in their life. And David says, there's a difference between me and between those going to the grave. That is, God, I am going to call out to you. I am communing with you, dear Lord. I'm speaking to you. I want to hear you and feel you speak in my life. And he's saying, God, don't let me be like those who are going to the grave apart from you, but God, listen to me as I call out to you. God, be my rock, be my strength, be my security, be my stronghold in everything that I go through in life. And those words are good for you and I too. Verse 2, Listen to the sound of my pleading when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Now, David is, is lifting up his hands to the Lord. He's crying out to the Lord. He's pleading to the Lord. He's kneeling before the Lord. And these are things that probably all of us have done before. And if we haven't yet, there's a good chance we probably will do these things in our life. We will call out to the Lord so that He will hear us, that we will raise our hands to Him in praise. Now, sometimes we may be guilty of raising our fists to the Lord in anger. God, why did you do this? God, why did that happen? God, this is not fair. And we may be guilty of that sometimes, but we should also be uh, found raising our hands to the Lord in praise. We have a lot to praise the Lord about. I don't know if, if any of you have ever raised your hand or raised your hands in praise to the Lord. There have been times when God was working in my life and I was just praising Him, maybe through song, maybe through whatever means, and, and I just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and I just raise my hands up. It's just a, a natural thing. And, and sometimes we may do that in our lives. We may feel God move in a way that we want to express that and say, God, we just lift up our hands to the Lord. Now, I know that a lot of times, especially if we grew up in a Baptist church, we don't see that a lot. And then when we go to a church or somebody comes here and we see them raising their hands, we say, oh, that's them hand-raising people. We've got to watch out for them. But what happens sometimes is we suppress the Holy Spirit because sometimes we may feel that presence of the Spirit and we may want to show that in some way. Maybe by saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen, preach on, whatever it may be, the Spirit may move in a way that we react in a physical way, that we put a hand up in the air. Come on, God, bring it on. We lift our hand in praise. God, thank you. God, I feel you. Whatever it may be, sometimes when the Spirit moves in our lives, we may have a physical response. And if the Spirit moves you to do that, then by all means do it. Now, we don't want to act a fool and be waving our hands around, oh, I got the Spirit now. We don't want to do it in that way. We don't want to mock the Spirit. But sometimes 
we suppress the Spirit. Sometimes we say, I don't want to make any waves. And so when the Spirit moves, we don't really allow the Spirit to move. So if the Spirit ever moves in your life, whether you are in your private prayer room, whether you're in your car, or whether you're surrounded at church by your other brothers and sisters in Christ, if the Lord lays something on your heart and moves you in a way that you want to respond by raising a hand, by clapping, by saying amen, by shouting hallelujah, whatever it may be, I would encourage you to lift up your hands and your voices and praise to the Lord if you feel led to do so. And that's what David did. In verse 3, Do not drag me away with the wicked, with the evildoers, who speak in friendly ways with their neighbors while malice is in their hearts. Now, David is making a distinction here. He's saying, look, God, I'm not like these people who are wicked. I'm not like these people who are doing evil. God, my heart is not set on evil. God, I desire to do right by you and to walk with you. Now, David didn't succeed in that. And yes, David did some evil things. He did some sinful things. But that wasn't where his heart was. When he did those things, he even suffered consequences for them. But ultimately, David always returned to the Lord. Now, there are some people in this world that do wicked all the time. They are not the Lord's. They don't care about the Lord. They don't care that they're doing evil and wicked, and they continue to do those things. And David is not saying that he's not a sinner. We see that through the rest of the Psalms. He acknowledges, he admits, he says, look, I am a sinner. I was a sinner from the time I was born. David recognized that he is, recognizes he is a sinner, but what he's saying is, God, I'm not, I'm not like those who desire to do wickedness. God, I sometimes sin, but I desire to follow and serve you. So God, recognize, don't punish me, don't treat me like those who are doing wicked and who are doing evil. Don't drag me away with the wicked, with the evildoers. And, and what does he use to describe the evildoers? He says in this case, this is not the only way to describe those who do evil, but in this case... David says, the evil ones are the ones who speak in friendly ways with their neighbors while malice is in their heart. That is, those people they encounter. Hey, how you doing? Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, we love you so much. Man, maybe, hey, maybe, maybe we can have you over for dinner sometime. We would love that. Yeah, we'll, we'll set up a date. And you're just so friendly and nice and happy. And then you turn your back and you tell whoever's with you, I cannot stand him. Well, you just ask him to dinner. I know I was just saying that. I don't, I, don't, I don't like her. I don't like him. And sometimes people do that. Now, none of us, or maybe we do. That's why we got to check ourselves. My favorite verse, look at the log, log in our own eye before we take the speck out of our brothers. So in this case, he gives us a specific example, probably something he was going through, and where he was encountering people who were speaking friendly to his face, or he saw people speaking friendly to others' faces, but yet in their heart, they didn't love those people, they didn't care about those people, and they were had malice in their heart. Verse 4, Repay them according to what they have done, according to the evil of their deeds. Repay them according to the work of their hands. Give them back what they deserve. Now, what David is seeking here is he's seeking justice. He says there are those in the world who do evil and who need to be punished for that evil. Now, God is a just God, and one day justice is going to be served. 
Now, I don't think that David is saying these words because he's, he's, just, he's just mad and angry at him and he hates them and he's saying, God, I want you just to wipe them off of the face of the earth forever and just show them. I don't know that that's the heart that David's saying this with, although it may be. But what I think David is saying is he's saying, God, I want you to serve justice. I want you to deal with the wicked in the way that they need to be dealt with. The ones who are doing evil, the ones who are doing sin, the ones who are murdering people by the thousands or by the millions, the terrorists, the ones who are abusing people, the ones who are doing all of these things, God, that shouldn't be done. God, I pray that you would be just, that you would avenge those, as the Bible says, whose lives have been lost, whose lives have been taken, whose lives have been abused by those who are evil. He's saying, God, I want justice to come. And one day, justice is going to come. I want justice to come too. I would fall in the same category as David here. I want justice to come. But you know what I want to come more than justice? is grace. Because I don't want to see any of those people die apart from the Lord and have to suffer the consequences. Yes, they may have done some evil things, but so have I. They may have sinned greatly, but so have I. Now, I want justice to be served, but I would much rather those who are doing evil, whether it's us in this building tonight, or whether it's those people that we see around the world that we think are really evil, no matter who it is, I want us or them, either one, to find the grace of God. I want us to be in the grace of Jesus Christ. Now, there will be some who will not be. There will be some who will reject the Lord. And when that day comes, justice will be served. But boy, wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone could experience the grace of Jesus Christ? Now, some of you are saying, no, it wouldn't, because I know him, and I know her, and I know what they did, and I know what this one did, and I know what Hitler did. How dare Hitler, if on his deathbed he accepted the grace of Jesus Christ? I don't want to see him in heaven. Sometimes we may think that way. But realistically, we have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. Who are we to deny God from sharing that same grace to someone else? There will be some who will experience his justice, but boy, wouldn't it be great if as many as possible could experience his grace. David says, look, God punished those who are wicked. But then he goes on to say in verse 5, because they do not consider what the Lord has done are the works of his hands. He will tear them down and not rebuild them. Now, those who have rejected the Lord and continue to reject Jesus Christ, yeah, there's not going to be any hope for them. Why? Because there's no hope apart from Jesus Christ. And David says, give them their due punishment. But he says... He will tear them down and not rebuild them. That is, those who continue to reject Jesus Christ will not be rebuilt. But guess what? The Bible uses similar language in the New Testament. It talks about a transformation. Now, that's not the same word as rebuilding, but when it talks about not rebuilding, the opposite of that is rebuilding. That is taking something that is broken, something that is not right, in our case, sin, uh, people who are sinful, taking people who are sinful, what God does for us, is he rebuilds us into a new creation. The New Testament talks about that repeatedly. We are a new creation in Christ. We are essentially rebuilt. We are transformed. Now, those who reject Christ, they're going to they're one day get their due punishment if they don't come to Christ. But guess what? If they do come to Christ, just like you and I and any of us who have come to Christ, they will be rebuilt. We have been rebuilt if we have accepted Jesus Christ, and we are a new creation. Now, those that don't come to Christ will not be rebuilt, as David is saying, 
But I believe that David probably desired the same thing that you and I desire and the same thing that God desires. That is that we would all come to Christ Jesus so that we may be forgiven of our sins. So we should desire to be rebuilt and we are rebuilt in Jesus Christ and transformed by him. Verse 6, may the Lord be praised for he has heard the sound of my pleading. Now at the beginning of the psalm, David is saying, don't be deaf to me. He, he calls out to the Lord God, I want you to hear me. I want you to know that I'm yours. I'm kneeling before you. I'm praising you. I'm raising my hands up to you. And then he goes on, he shifts gears, and he talks about the evil that's going on, what kind of evil's taking place, and that one day he desires for the evil to be taken care of. And here at the end of the psalm, he shifts gears again as though he knows God has heard it. God has been listening to him. God is, is, is hearing what he is saying. May the Lord be praised for he has heard the sound of my pleading. Now, now, David knew that God heard him, and we need to know that God hears us. Now, just because God hears us doesn't mean that he's going to answer us immediately. It doesn't mean that he's going to answer us in the way that we want to be answered. But we can be like David, and we can know for a fact that when we pray to the Lord from our heart, that he does hear us, and David Realize that. In verse 7, For the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices, and I praise Him with my song. Isn't that beautiful? He says, look, the Lord is my strength. He's my shield. My heart trusts in Him. Now, we need to do the same thing, especially if we are in Christ, if we are already His child. We need to know that when we are weak, He is strong. When we are under attack, maybe by people we encounter in this world, maybe it's a spiritual battle of the devil, but when our enemy comes upon us, He is a shield that surrounds us, that keeps us safe from the attacks of the enemy. Yes, those attacks may seem like they're getting through, but they can never destroy us because we have the power of the Lord. Now, I'm speaking in an eternal sense here. There may be things that we suffer and go through in this world, but ultimately the devil, the enemy, will not have the final say because the shield, that is the cross of Jesus Christ, is greater than anything that the enemy could ever throw at us. In verse 8, The Lord is, my, is the strength of His people. He is a stronghold of salvation for his anointed. Save your people, bless your possessions, shepherd them, and carry them forever. Boy, I love that last part of that. Shepherd them and carry them forever. Now, sometimes when we read forever in Scripture, it doesn't mean forever. Just like I say, oh, I saw Billy Bob the other day, and I haven't seen him in forever. Now, we see instances like that in Scripture where forever is used, and the, the Hebrew word doesn't always mean forever. Sometimes it means a long period of time. But in this case, in speaking of salvation, and speaking of our shepherd, that is Jesus Christ, who is going to carry us forever, it does mean forever. Because when we are with the Lord, we will be with the Lord forever if we are in Christ Jesus. And I love the language he used there. He says, shepherd them and carry them. Most of you may be familiar with the 23rd Psalm where David says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
David was a shepherd. He knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And this idea of a shepherd carrying his sheep is something that we see even mentioned in the New Testament. In Luke, I believe, chapter 15, uh, where Jesus is giving the parable of the lost sheep, he says, look, if somebody has 100 sheep and 99 of them are taken care of and one of them is lost, what does the shepherd do? The shepherd leaves the 99, he goes and finds the one, and what does he do? He throws him over his shoulders and he carries him back. Now, that's the same kind of language that David is using here. He's saying, God, you are my strength. You are our shepherd. Therefore, carry your people. Now, there are times in life that we walk beside the Lord. But there are also times in life, I think, that we need to be carried by the Lord. We may need to be carried back to the presence of the Lord because it may be that we've wandered off into sin. It may be that we need to be carried by the Lord because we are too weak. We are weak and tired from sickness we are struggling with. We are weak and tired from grief. We are weak and tired from stress. And in those times, we need to know who our shepherd is, and it is Jesus Christ. We need to know who our strength is, and it is Jesus Christ. We need to know who our shield is, and it is Jesus Christ. And when we can't go any further, we say, Lord Jesus, I call out to you. I know you hear my prayers. I need you to carry me home. Now, I'm not talking about that in the sense of take me home, I want to die. But God, I need you to carry me back to you. I need you to carry me a little ways because I am too weak to walk right now. And I believe that God is faithful to do that. I believe that God is faithful to restore us, just like Elijah, after he had stood up against all the false prophets and was able to stand up against them and see the awesome power of God. As his life was in trouble and he was fleeing from the Lord, he's laid under a tree and said, Lord, take my life. He was too weak. He was too scared. He couldn't go any further. And God gave him rest. And God sent angels to minister to him and give him food. And God restored him. And that's what God will do to us. He will restore us. If you need to be restored, you need to go to Jesus Christ and you say, Lord Jesus, I know you're my shepherd and I'm too weak to go any further. I can't do it right now. I need you to carry me the rest of the way. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight. We thank you for these beautiful words of David. And I pray that we learn from him in that we call out to you that we know you're listening, even if it doesn't seem like you're hearing us right in the moment. I pray that you help us just to, just to trust you with all our heart, just like David did, to not get, get carried away with the evil of this world, dear Lord. Yeah, there is evil, and God, we don't want to see it take place, but we know that one day justice will be served. But God, I pray for that rebuilding to take place, that there's, that there's more people that, that come to you that are rebuilt than there are those who are, who are torn down and destroyed forever and never rebuilt, dear Lord. I pray that they'll be rebuilt on the rock that is Jesus Christ, that their sins will be covered by his blood. God, that he will be the shepherd of their life. And I pray that he is the shepherd of each soul in here tonight. And God, if there are somebody in here that's going through a struggle, I pray that they would just call out to you, that you would carry them through whatever they're going through and get them through the other side. God, maybe there'll be times in the future where we just are struggling. I pray that you would call this verse to mind, God, that you will shepherd us and that you will carry us forever and help us not to forget that beautiful truth. In Jesus' name I pray it, amen.